0: Hey, this is Brent Ingersoll from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning in to our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in. How good is good enough? This must be a question that's on your mind this time of year, especially. You know how the song goes. He sees you when you're sleeping. And he knows when you're awake, and he knows if you've been, so be good for goodness sake. It's not a hymn, right? You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why, because Santa Claus is coming to town. But whether you get uh, the latest iPhone for Christmas or a lump of coal in your sock is, that's not what I'm concerned about today, sorry. How good is good enough? Actually, the question doesn't originate with me. A few days ago, just been a few days since I picked up a little book by pastor and author Andy Stanley. I say little book, about so thick, Two hours, you could read it. The title of his little book, Since Nobody's Perfect, How Good Is Good Enough? And he begins by saying this. We're going to look at an ancient but popular theory regarding who goes to heaven. I say ancient because the idea has been around since the beginning of civilization. In terms of popularity, it is what most world religions espouse. Then Pastor Stanley lays out what he calls this ancient but popular theory. It goes like this. There is a good God who lives in a good place reserved for good people. This God goes by many names. He is behind all major world religions. Therefore, all major and possibly Minor religions provide a legitimate path to God, and therefore heaven. The criterion for it, making it to this good place is to be good. Each religion has its own definition for good, but what they all have in common is that men and women must do certain things and not do certain things in order to assure themselves of a spot in this good place with a good God. Hmm. Sounds fair, don't you think? But you don't think about this good people go to heaven view very long until this question emerges in your mind. Yeah, but how good is good enough? So I'm considering this question as I'm reading Stanley's little book. And at the same time, I'm preparing to preach this message to you this morning from Luke, excuse me, from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. So let's go there. We'll look at this scripture in a little more detail in a few minutes. But let's read it all together. I'll read out loud. You follow along please. It's the familiar Christmas story. And it begins with these words, Matthew one eighteen. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Junior church pastor was reading this story to his students when a little guy in the back row had his hand up and, and said, Uh, teacher what what happened what happened to verge and the teacher says verge and the little guy says I thought I thought that Mary's fiance's name was verge and the teacher says well how on earth why did you think that and he said you know you hear about verge and Mary Some of you think on that a bit. Maybe it'll, it'll come to you a little late. Can I go back to the scripture now? His mother Mary was engaged to be married to uh, Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man, but did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly as he considered this Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Author Howard eddington calls joseph the forgotten man of christmas in his book by that same title in that book he says he is joseph the silent in the word of god joseph never says a word he's talked to and he's talked about but there is not a single syllable that comes from the mouth of joseph the adoptive father of jesus jesus Joseph has the role of an extra. He is a character with minor credits. When we deal with our nativity scenes, he may be the last one set up and the first one toppled over. Even though there are 15 cities in the United States named after him, Joseph is the forgotten man of Christmas. But this morning, let's, let's take Joseph for a few minutes Out of his minor role, for I believe he can give us valuable insights into our question of the day, which is simply this, how good is good enough? And so I want you to notice three things about Joseph this morning. And here's the first, the first thing, very simple, here it is. Number one, Joseph was a good man. Verse 19, Joseph Her fiancé, Mary's fiancé, was a good man. That's how Joseph is introduced in the Bible. Simply that. He was a good man. Now, we all know what good means. Do I need to define it? But yet, yet other translations of the Bible help us further understand what kind of man that Joseph was. The Amplified New Testament refers to Joseph, calls him a just and upright man. Another translation refers to him as a man of stern principle. The message, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, the message uses the word noble to describe Joseph. So, good? Well, I guess the word good works, doesn't it? And then if we go back one verse to verse 18 we find further evidence of what a good man Joseph was. Verse 18 reads, Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Now the whole courtship, uh, dating, engagement thing was done quite differently in century one Palestine than it would be in Canada today. The relationship did not start with Joseph saying, Mary, would you like to go for a a donkey ride on Friday night? That's not the way it started, no. It no doubt was not Joseph who took the initiative at all. And it certainly wasn't Mary who initiated the relationship, but it would be Mary's parents. You see, it was an arranged marriage, so very different than today. We've been married Willow Ann and I, 54 years. And I pursued her six years before that. So you could say I was the arranger for our marriage. Matter of fact, I suppose I was the only one. You could call me the lone arranger. Okay. If I promise no more jokes, will you stay with me all the way to the end? So. Anyway, my point being that this was an arranged marriage. It would be Mary's parents who arranged it. They they picked Joseph. They contacted Joseph. And they didn't know, keep this in mind, they had no idea what was going to happen to Mary when they picked Joseph. They didn't know that Mary would be birthing the Christ child. They didn't know that she was blessed among all women. But here's what they did know. They did know that Mary was special. Now, I suppose, I suppose every parent with daughters thinks, thinks those girls are special. We have two daughters, and they're both very special girls. But hear me this morning. Mary and Joseph knew that Mary was extraordinary special, and they went looking for an extraordinary good man, and they found one when they found Joseph. Let me share one further thought about this good man Joseph. The word Matthew uses the word in the language of his day, of course, because the Scriptures were not written in English. So the word in the original language is a word used to describe a man who is, or anyone who is a true believer in God. So look what we have learned so far about Joseph. He was introduced in Scripture as good. Uh, he, He was... Mary's choice as a husband, he was Mary's parents' choice as a husband for Mary. Joseph was a true believer in God, but we haven't even mentioned this yet. Joseph was God's choice to be the man that raised his son. Now that's about as good as good gets, don't you think? Surely, surely all of this that we've shared so far is enough to ensure an automatic pass into heaven one day for Joseph, don't you think? B was dying, and she knew it, and her family knew it, and she accepted it, and so did her family, and she assured them when she found out that what she had was terminal, she assured them, it's okay, she said, I'm going to be with the Lord. And B was 40 years a believer. She was the, a veteran of dozens of years. She was a servant of God who had taught hundreds of children's lessons in junior church and Sunday school. She was a faithful church woman all through the years who had heard thousands of sermons, and now cancer was about to take her at 68. I visited her often in her last days, but one of those visits I remember particularly well. She was very weak. She spoke with great effort. She spoke just above a whisper. And I leaned in close to hear her words, and her husband did the same, standing on the other side of the bed. And we both heard B say, I don't think I'm good enough. Surely, surely this good woman was good enough, don't you think? And Joseph, I mean, Joseph was one good man, surely he was good enough. Don't you think? Let's look a little deeper. The second thing I would have you notice about this man, this good man, Joseph, was simply this. Joseph did the right thing. Joseph did the right thing. We go back to verse 18, halfway through the verse. We read, before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé. Now remember, at this point in the story, Joseph... Doesn't, he doesn't know any of the details of how she got pregnant, right? But it does say she was a, he was a good man and didn't want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly to do the right thing. Verse 20, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her is conceived by the Holy Spirit. What do you do? Come on, you men here, think with me for a moment. What do you do? Think back. You were single. What do you do when your wife to be informs you that she is pregnant and you know you're not the father? Undoubtedly, Joseph has to be shocked. There's, there's no question that Joseph has to be hurt, and Mary tries to explain, and Joseph desperately, Joseph desperately wants to believe her, but come on, Joseph knows how the bees and the birds, he knows how all of that works, and, and he's just straining to believe, and then God sends an angel to Joseph to confirm what Mary said, and what does Joseph do? He does the right thing. Verse 24 says, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and he took Mary home as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until the son was born. That's a good man. How many men would do that? Joseph did the right thing. Joseph did the right thing at the risk of his reputation. He, he did. Joseph did the right thing in spite of the scowls and the snide remarks of his neighbors and people in town, tough go. Country music artists from a few years ago, the Statler brothers, sang a song and it went like this. There are people who are whispering and the rumors are running wild. There's a woman who's not married, but she's going to have a child. Her name is Mary. She's a virgin from down in Nazareth. Now listen close. She's going to marry a man named Joseph, but the baby's father is the Holy Ghost. And then the refrain goes, and who do you think could believe such a thing? Could believe that this story is true? And who do you think could believe such a thing? Well, here's hoping to heaven you do. Well, Joseph believed it. Joseph believed it, and Joseph did the right thing. Joseph did the right thing regardless of possible outcomes. Humorist Mark Twain once said, Always do right. It will gratify some people and astonish the rest. Now Joseph, this Joseph, he didn't just do the right thing once. He did the right thing over and over. In chapter 2, a little later in the Christmas story... It says, the baby has been born, and Herod, remember the story, Herod went on a rampage, King Herod, trying to kill every baby under two, thus he would be sure of getting the Christ child and eliminating any possibility of this baby ever becoming king. An angel appears to Joseph during this time and says, flee to Egypt, and Joseph did the right thing, away he went. Months later, Herod dies, chapter 2 of Matthew, verse 19. And an angel appears to Joseph and says, Joseph, I want you to go back home. And Joseph did the right thing once again. Joseph was a good man. Joseph did the right thing consistently. Think of it. Any court, any court, any tribunal, any arbitrator, any border guard, Or how about the angel at the gates of Pearl on that great and final day? Wouldn't any of them look at Joseph's record and stamp his passport and say, Joseph, you made it, you're in, you good man, you? And how about the, think about it, how about the court of public opinion? If, if, If you take a scale and you put all of Joseph's good deeds over here and all his misdeeds over here, well, it's, case closed if anyone hear me if anyone is good enough Joseph is and yet and yet I want you to look see this final thing about Joseph Joseph realized as good as he was Joseph realized that good is not good enough verse 20 Back to the passage again. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her is conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And that's the moment, that's the moment that Joseph realized that he wasn't good enough. Maybe you didn't catch it, did you? Look with me again. The angel says to Joseph, Joseph, you, you, Joseph, you are to name him Jesus. And, and the word Jesus simply means the Lord saves. And the angel goes on and says, for, for he will save his people from their sins. Isn't the message clear? And, and, and he's saying, and you, Joseph... You are one of his people, and Jesus, Joseph, will save you from your sins. And that's the moment that Joseph realized that that good, no matter how good, isn't good enough. Joseph realized at that moment that he too, he too needed a Savior. Verse 24 says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And the last words are, and Joseph named him Jesus. Can you picture it? Jesus, Jesus holding that precious little infant, Jesus, and speaking his name. Can you imagine? Jesus. Jesus, Savior of the world. Jesus, my Savior. Jesus. How good? How good is good enough? No matter how good, good is never good enough. It would be almost 60 years later that Paul the Apostle wrote the letter to the church at Rome. And here he made it so clear, familiar to maybe most of you, some of you anyway. And he wrote and said, no one is righteous, not even one. And then a little later in the same chapter, it's like Paul said, are you hearing me here now? Because he repeats it and says, no one, no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. And one of the other translations says, no one can ever be made right with God by being good enough. And then a little later, it's, it's, it's like Paul, maybe he thinks we're thick-headed or something. Because he, he does it again. He says, for everyone has sinned and all fall short of God's glorious standard, Joseph included. That day when B said to me and her husband in the room, I don't think I'm good enough. Her words surprised me so. I just stood there for a moment or two wondering what do I say now? And then I met her husband's eye across the bed. He looked at me and our eyes connected And he said to me without words, tell my wife what she needs to hear. And so I did. I stood there and held the hand of this veteran believer, of this servant of God, this faithful church lady, been a believer since she was a child. And I said to her, be... You're right. You're not good enough. But B, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, quoted that, paraphrased it. B, God saved you by his grace. B, it's by God's special favor that you're in. And that happened, B, when you believed and you can't take credit for it, B. It is a gift from God. B, you can't earn it salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so none of us can boast about it I wish I could count the number of believers that I have counseled through the years that struggled with this same thing as be struggled with thinking they're not good enough and so did I as a little boy I was tormented as a teenager into my 20s and even into my 30s and maybe I shouldn't admit it but even occasionally sometimes I think at my age it can't be long now before I stand before God and sometimes I find myself entertaining the thought I'm not good enough listen to me don't you see good people Good people don't go to heaven, or at least not because they're good. Good people don't go to heaven, forgiven people do. You see it? And the truth is, the truth is, we all need a Savior, no exceptions. We all need a Savior. I was listening yesterday to a song written by an artist you probably wouldn't know. Her name was Dottie Rambo. Nothing good have I done. To deserve God's own son and yet he chose the road to Calvary to die in my place why he loves me I can't understand the truth is hear this hear it again no one is good enough and yet the awesome truth is no one is so bad that they're excluded a few months ago, matter of fact, it was, it was Easter of this year, back in April, I was checking my Twitter account one day when a three-minute video popped up on, the, on, the, on my phone, and it was a pastor I had never heard of before that day, and his name is Alistair Begg. He's senior pastor of Cleveland's Parkside Church. And he was, he was talking about that thief on the cross. You know the one? The one who moments before he died said, Lord, would you remember me? And you remember what Jesus said? This day you will be with me in paradise. This man was not a good man. That man was absolutely getting what he deserved. A life of crime. He was probably as bad as it gets. And I'll try to tell you, like Pastor Begg tells it. He says, says, "I, I can't wait to find that thief one day because I want to ask him, how did that work out for you? I mean, one minute you were cussing Jesus, this Jesus out with your friend, and you were never in a Bible study. You never got baptized. You don't... You don't know a thing about church membership and yet you made it. You made it. How did you make it? That's what the angel must have said. What are you doing here? And the thief says, I, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? And he responded and simply said, because I don't know. Well, well, uh, a uh, Uh, and then the angel says, excuse me, I'm going to go get my supervisor. So he goes and gets his supervisor, and the supervisor comes in and says to this redeemed thief, I have just a few questions for you. And the first one is this, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? And the guy says, i never heard of it in my life. And he says, well, let's talk about the doctrine of Scripture. Are you you clear on the inerrancy of of the Scripture? And the poor guy's just staring. And in frustration, the angel asks, on what basis are you here? And he said, The man on the middle cross said, I could come. And he said, Joseph could come. He also said, B could come. And he said, I could come. And he said, you can come. Praise you, Father. What a great God you are. There's a prayer on the screen behind me. I expect for most of you, it ought to be a prayer of gratitude to God. Because if, if we had to be good enough, you wouldn't make it. I wouldn't make it. Wouldn't be anybody ever make it. But it's a gift. We'll celebrate the greatest gift of Christmas. So for most of you, perhaps this prayer is simply a prayer of gratitude But there's some of you in this room or at one of our locations or online. For you, this should be, could be, this could be a prayer for you, a prayer of repentance. This could be the day that you place your trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. So you see the prayer before you? I invite you to pray it with me now, out loud. And if if this is your day, there'll be the prayer teams here at the front and in our locations. Or if you make a decision today that this is your day to commit your life to Christ, message us and let us know, would you? Want to pray it with me out loud, together? Father, thank you for providing a way for all of us. I realize if it depended on my goodness, I would be separated from you forever. That is what I deserve. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. I place my faith in him as my Savior. Thank you for sending him to die in my place.